gentlemen, this is Democracy Manifest. Welcome to my latest experiment. This is a big one, the one I've been waiting for all my life. Yeah, well, history is going to change. All right, listen up. I don't like white people. I hate rednecks. You people are rednecks. So, Chad? Yes. How are you since last month? How's everything? Pretty all right. I did get in a car accident in that time. It was not my fault. A woman turned wide and hit me, but no injuries. And, you know, cars are cars, so it's fine. But other than that, it's been, you know, your general kind of like the holiday sads, but we're getting through them. I definitely, I too know the holiday sads. I don't understand all the joy around this time of year, but I'm also bleak and bitter hearted. So, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, so like definitely a shout out to anyone that's struggling right now, dealing with a grief journey or just, you know, not being with supportive family or having to deal with unsupportive family or toxic family. So, yes. Yeah. Much love to all of you out there. <laughs> yeah. We know the pain. I need to know something about this wide turn, though. Was it a wide right or a wide left? It was a wide left. It's so dumb. She was in the turning lane. I was in the leftmost straight traveling lane, and it was a protected turn. She got her green arrow the same time I got the green light. We both went forward. She turned wide to avoid debris from an earlier accident, ironically. And in doing so, basically the whole passenger side of her car scraped against my front bumper. So (laughs) I'll make sure to like bleep some of that out because I know insurances are talking to each other, yada, yada. (laughs) It should be okay. I'm not going to mention any companies or names and the claim is closed. So we should be fine with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was just this ridiculous thing. It was like the Sunday before Thanksgiving. And I'm like, really, really, ma'am, you couldn't pick a better time (laughs) to do this. But, you know, my first deal with going through insurance for an accident in my entire driving career. So, wow. Yeah. So that's good. But also it sucks. At least it wasn't my fault. So, yeah, my insurance premium is unaffected. My driving, you know, any ratings or anything like that are unaffected. But it was just a pain in the butt you know here's what i don't understand about that Mm -hmm. i I guess california is really big on that point system or whatever Mm -hmm. i know nothing of this point system because i'm sure it's a thing in arizona but i've not ever heard it being used before in arizona and maybe that's just because they always get the duis that's the big thing there yeah they really like handing out deweys to everybody so the point system is really just to do with like the dmv your driver's license when it comes to insurance i'm not aware of any kind of point system but i know that if you're found a certain percentage at fault in an accident then your premium rate will increase. Mm -hmm. I don't know how the point thing works for DMV. Oh, oh, I gotcha. Yeah, I don't know either. See? Because you know what? You'll have people that get like 17 DUIs and they still have their license. And then you have someone that like, I don't know, hits a wall or brushes against a gas station railing or something and someone else was involved. And then they like don't have their license anymore. So I really, I have no idea. I have no idea. The whole, oh, well, if you get six points, your license is suspended. And I'm like, no, 
I mean, I've had my license suspended before, but that was because I did, you know, unpaid fines and shit. And mm-hmm. that was how they got you to like be like, hey, pay us, you yeah. know, but never points deducted. If you can deduct points, then you should be able to gain points back. Right. Yeah. And or accrue them like in a little pot. Yeah. I think it's like the point off is just there for a period of time and then it just goes away. Then it's no longer an issue. I have literally no idea how it works. I'm, <laughs> I've never dealt with it. And I don't even think anyone close to me, like relation wise, like friends or anything like that, I don't think they really know how it works either. So, yeah. I remember taking the test and that was like one of the things here anyway, because I had to retake the test and everything when I moved here Mm -hmm. or whatever, even though I had been driving since I was 16 years old. So again, whatever. Yeah. (laughs) Because they're like, oh yeah, there are points. And I'm like, no, fuck you. There aren't. Like, what the hell? Yeah. I think the cops are the only ones that know, (laughs) which would, you know, make sense beyond par, but. They probably don't know either. No. I mean, half the time, they don't even know what they're citing you. Like, they can't even cite, like, the statute that they're, like, getting you on. So (laughs) it's like, "Hmm?" that's exactly what I'm saying. Like, what the fuck? Okay, dude. Okay. Everybody's all excited about that new law that's going to start in January here in California, at least, where when the cop comes up to your window after they've pulled you over, they have to tell you what they pulled you over for now. You don't have to ask. They have to automatically be like. I pulled you over for this reason instead of the old tactic of do you, do you know, know why, why I pulled, pulled you over? over? Yeah. God, yeah. of course I do. I'm precognitive. That's my word recently, so I'm sorry to everybody. <laughs> it was my word of the month toilet paper thing. So. Right. <laughs> but either way, people are excited about this and I don't understand why because it doesn't change anything. Right. They just have to tell you. Yeah. It's not going to be a good gotcha if they're right. like they don't tell you. You go, ah, oh, you didn't tell me because you're not out of the ticket. Stupid. It's another tactic to get people to be cocky and start running their fucking mouths. That's what I think. Yeah. It's one of those things where it's like, and this is going to sound like me complaining. I'm not really complaining. I'm just noting the difference in how back when I was in the sport compact car scene, we would often get pulled over for having, you know, non-DOT approved taillights or inappropriate colored turn signal lights. You're not allowed to have blue lights in the front of your car. Only law enforcement are, et cetera, et cetera. And we used to always get that. And now I'm looking around and I see, you know, people with vinyl over their license plates in different colors. So it's non-reflective anymore. And it's also altering the license plate, which we would never be allowed to do. And it's like, I see it. and I'm just like, huh, I do kind of, it bugs me that you can't read a license plate number if you shine a light on it when it's covered, you know, with vinyl, Mm. just in case someone hits my ass or tries to run me over and I'm trying to get their information and I can't read it. Right. But it's like, it's just so interesting now. Instead, cops would rather pull people over for that stuff. They just pull over like one person and then five cruisers show up and they make a big deal or a big production i guess so they have cop witnesses and in case something happens it's like oh my life was in danger or whatever it's just been this really weird it's not evolution is the incorrect word it's been like this really weird way of how like police that pull people over for infractions and ticket reasons and stuff like that have changed it's very weird to see 
Yeah, I see cars driving around. I'm like, wow, we would have never been able to do that. We would have gone out of our driveway and then gotten pulled over for it. It's so weird. <laughs> I'm not saying that more people should be pulled over. It's just I've noticed this difference. I think it's just because I'm a little more like in tune or aware of it. You know what I mean? So Yeah. What was it? Last night I went to the store real quick, which probably wasn't the greatest idea because niece still not good. But whatever, right. I went to the store and the car in front of me that was turning uh, left, their license plate, it was just off the lot. Like somebody took it off the lot to go shopping because oh. there was absolutely nothing in the license plate, but it was a digital license plate. Mm. Like, you know, if you did take the time to put something there, you could input something onto it and right. drive it. But yeah, I know this person was just like, oh, I'm just going to go down to Walmart anyway. So mm -hmm. it'll be all right. And I'm just looking at this license plate. I'm just like, huh, that's fun. I wish I knew how to type into it. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? It's really kind of interesting because like last year, I went out to Reno to get the Talon and I was always planning to drive it back. It's 500 miles, right? Yeah. I was like, all right. So I go and I, I buy the car from this lady. She takes her Nevada plates off of it. And I said, can I have one of the plates just to put on the back of the car so I don't get pulled over and then I'll mail it back to you. She's like, no. I'm like, okay, great. <laughs> I'm going to drive this bright red car with no license plates whatsoever from Nevada to Southern California, right? I was yeah. worried the whole time. Every time I saw something that looked like any kind of CHP car or whatever, I was like tripping because I'm like, okay, I'm going to get pulled over. This is what I have to say. This is what I have to show them, you know, whatever. And I didn't get pulled over once. I had cops just pass me and not even look at me. And I'm like, wow, <laughs> this is like, it was almost like this weird culture shock because I'm like, what? Like this wouldn't have happened like a while ago. I just think it's always interesting how the cops are always like, oh, we got to crack down on this and crack down on that. Give us more money to crack down on this. And they're like not doing anything. I mean, not like they've ever done anything, but you know what I mean? Yeah, it's like we talked about a couple months ago on the pod where, you know, the police, all they do is hand out tickets. Right. Collecting all kinds of fucking money to just roll around and not solve any kind of, you know, murder mysteries or anything like that because right. the cops don't solve murders. Right. Cool and good. Today's episode, probably going to be a short one. I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to include the opening for the root beer debate just because I want people to hear it. Mm -hmm. Because unfortunately, we were not able to get Gabe on the line today yeah but we were fortunate enough to get possum on the line and, mm -hmm. and have them as our first ever guest yes so cool yeah thank you possum yeah that'll be later on in the podcast you'll get to hear from them and their pro root beer side and mm -hmm. the invite is still open to gabe if they mm -hmm. do decide to want to come on and voice the no root beer side, that would mm -hmm. be pretty incredible too. But we understand shit happens. Yep. And you can't do it. And that's fine. That's yeah, how it goes. That's fine. It's life. It's yeah. cool. Nothing we can do about it. We can't change it. All good. That's cool. Yeah. With that all together, I don't think we really had too much going on for today. No, a couple things. Yeah. Probably pull some stuff up about any kind of union activities and or strikes. We'll see what's there and what's not. Yeah. Real quick, I brought it up before we started recording. I just want to touch back on the stealing of apes happening yet again. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Just because I thought we were done and through with this, but no, two years was long enough. 
everybody's apes are now officially being stolen again. <laughs> it's incredible, really. I don't get it, man. Just why are people so attached to these things? I have screenshot so many. I have so many apes in my library. You're probably the richest of them all when it comes to apes. Right? Most apes. Yeah. You are the most ape haver. Yes, because my apes are not gone. Yes, exactly. Right. <laughs> I'm trying to find that song again. Oh, God. There's the red alert from Dingaling, though. <laughs> this is a real person who actually does stuff about these apes going missing. Is a person that goes by the name of Dingaling. Uh, red alert. If you've ever used NFT Trader in the past, revoke approval to their contract ASAP. So far, already 37 BAYC, don't know, and 13 MAYC, again, no idea, have already been drained to this address. These are just really ugly pictures that I don't understand people enjoy and, yeah. and how they can tell that bad things are happening. Right. How do you know that these are bad things happening? Like, I don't really know. I, I will admit, I don't know a lot about crypto. I don't know a lot about NFTs intentionally. I don't want to know a lot of it. It's all fake to me. But the thing is, if you just open up your digital wallet and then the apes are not there. Right. <laughs> or are they there, but like they have like a red X to them? Or are they there <laughs> and like now they're all crying? Like, I don't know how you would really be able to tell. I I'm scrolling through all these comments and like everybody's like, oh no, oh no, damn, fuck. Oh my God. Somebody here is like heartbreaking. Right. What are you guys worried about? Are you worried about real money? Because that's your fault. Right. I also think it's just the juxtaposition of these people. They're like, oh no, my NFT is gone. And then like literally it's, you know, people are starving and losing their houses. But my monkey. Yes. <laughs> my monkey break me. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. It's so crazy. Now there's somebody who's claiming to be not responsible, but apparently the owner of this domain or whatever guessing because it says hello everyone i'm a scavenger first of all monkeys are safe and in the end they come back to the user the original exploiter of the vulnerability wasn't me it was him and again a whole bunch of numbers and letters at first as usual i came here to pick up residual garbage at first i thought i could only get token but eventually i found out that i could also get nft i don't know much about nft but i looked up the price of nft and i think there's a lot of profit to be made from exploits i don't know if the person who started it didn't realize it or if he's continuing to prepare for an exploit so i'm going to follow it up i'm a good person the value of these NFTs is enough for a person to live a free life, but I don't care. <laughs> I prefer to pick up the leftover trash. <laughs> My technical skills are limited. I can't get all the effective NFTs at once. And it's costing me a lot of energy and time. So, 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 so. Seriously, it just, that's, it says so. A bunch over and over with the comma between. If you want the monkey NFT back, then you need to pay me a bounty. Which is quite a bounty because he's a scavenger, sounds like a pirate, but whatever. One BAYC equals 30 ETH, uh -huh. one MAYC equals six ETH. Sounds like I'd want to go the MAYC route if I were me. I don't know how many ethels do you have? Right? I don't have a lot of ethels, <laughs> I only have Lucy's. I don't have ethels. Damn it. I've only got friends. My bad. Uh. 
hard break for the Rickies. Yeah. Yes. Rickies never caught on. I don't know why. He never did. <laughs> he could have saved so much time and effort if he just would have played the Shaggy video for It Wasn't Me, right? <laughs> yeah. All he had to do was do that and be like, oh, okay. Well, that explains everything. Oh, Makes sense. dude. Incredible. Sorry for your heartbreak, I guess. I mean, really not. It's one of those things where it's like, I have... I'm a little torn because I know that people have sunk a lot of money and stuff like that and stuff like that. But at this point now, when we've seen crashes, we've seen NFT theft, we've seen it all. It's like you kind of have to be extra, extra dumb to keep subjecting yourself to this kind of stuff. No, absolutely. And I just found a number for how much each one of these monkeys, apes, mutants are worth Mm -hmm. each one is worth around sixty thousand dollars jesus christ (laughs) to which somebody responds i honestly can't tell if you're serious (laughs) my god i mean i know at the beginning of like the crypto boom we had like these guys that were like 19 and they had like millions of dollars yeah they're all broke now of course of course broken depressed now like welcome to the club but you know a hideous cartoon monkey for 60 grand right God. First, I'm going to right-click on this ape and save it. <laughs> right. I mean, priorities. Yes. Priorities. Save image as my ape. <laughs> not gone. Yep. <laughs> save it as that. Yeah. Yes. Yes. My <laughs> ape, not gone. So that way I can claim a prize, I guess. I don't know. But Bored Ape Yacht Club holders have lost close to $140 million. <laughs> oh, man. But, like, imagine having that money to do this. I know that some people like, you know, gave up everything to get into it and that sucks. But I mean, there are people that had assets to dabble in this and that just boggles my mind. It's absolutely just disgusting. Yeah. Sorry, I had to save another one. (laughs) That's okay. It's like these people will scoff at like a houseless person on the street and be like, get a job. Then they go home and buy a fucking monkey and they're like, see, American dream. That's me. Yeah. I'm better than everyone. It's just, ugh. Taiwanese superstar Jay Cho, who I don't know, so they're obviously not much of a superstar. They're obviously, I'm not saying that they're not a star in Taiwan, but right. that doesn't make them a superstar. I getcha, I getcha. It's like Jackie Chan. That's a superstar. superstar yeah. I know Jackie Chan. Yeah. Jay Chow, I have no fucking clue who yeah. this dude is. Sorry, dude. <laughs> but he apparently just lost an estimated $200 million from this drain. I mean, like, what do you do? Like, you sit there and you lose $200 million and you're like, well, now what? What am I going to do? I'm either going to be broke, borrow money from everyone if they'll give me money, or, like, kill myself. Like, it's insane. Okay. All right. Enough of that. It's there. And I'm just like, God damn, yeah. you, all are, you all are suckers. Yeah. It's like buying a mine right now, you know? Yeah, I need a copper mine. Why? Right. <laughs> right. What for? Right. I'm going to make my own money. <laughs> All right. Have fun. Good luck. (laughs) What have you got for today? I want to kind of talk about anti-theism discourse briefly because it came up again. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Yeah. I'd like to talk about that. I also have a sustainable swap. And then I have kind of some points that I want to make regarding trauma loss and grief sensitivity this time of year. Mm, Okay. All right. I would say I've got a whole bunch, but I really don't. I'm trying to find something that I am interested about. And I was kind of hoping to be able to use it for next month. But Mm -hmm. hey, you know what? Fuck it. Right. That's not going to (laughs) happen. It's about how the EPA and other agencies 
have set up the freeway system and shit like that, Mm -hmm. how they've set it up, how certain aspects of it, which are hazardous waste routes and shit like that, Mm -hmm. they've set those up to go through marginalized Mm -hmm. communities, like everywhere. Yes. So I was going to talk a little bit about that. So Okay. Do you have a loved one diagnosed with COVID and COVID vaccine denial? Flat Earth Disorder, January 6th Dystrophy, or QAnon Thilioma? Do they need an exorcism? Allow me to recommend a dose of the cavalcade of galactic bullshit. Side effects and relief differ. Remove Fox News, Tucker Carlson, and internet access for better mitigation. Okie dokie. Cool. What's the first thing you want to talk about? We might as well get this out of the way. And I say that because it seems to be a monthly thing. I know that on here I do talk a lot about Twitter, but that is the social media platform I'm most active on. So it's the most I'm exposed to here. But it seems to be that time of month again. And this is actually, it's died down as of recording right now, but it's like last week or so was still the hot topic where anti-theist discourse is making its rounds among leftists. And for me, it's always kind of like a disappointing shit show because fellow anarchists end up like showing their whole ass. And some people just turn out to be unreasonable and insufferable and just mean for no reason. Yeah. It's one of those things where it's like, I get it. There are famously several anarchist scholars or, well, I guess theorists is a better term, who were anti-religion, pretty staunch atheists. I think Emma Goldman was one. And people like to cite this fact to justify their own like weird and rabid adverse attitude toward religion. Like, I don't know, Making some dead person's views, regardless of who they are, right? Making some dead person's views and opinions your own personality is not only what some religious people do, and therefore, you know, the anti-theists are literally doing what they say they hate, but it's also kind of like tanky shit, Mm -hmm. just adhering unquestioning to someone's theory or whatever, and making it your entire M.O., no one asked for that. And it's not very anarchistic, in my opinion. You know, and it's just like, draw inspiration or clarity from these theorists. But to me, anarchy is like this living, breathing thing that doesn't really need to adhere to these different things that people claim. But it's just one of those things where it's like, I've always held the personal belief. Well, not always. Let me correct myself. But I have long held (laughs) the personal belief that a person praying before a meal, like celebrating a holiday or some kind of religious rite is harmless to me, as long as they're not forcing a belief system on anyone or telling others they are wrong for not believing the way that they do. There are always exceptions. Mm. Every religion has its jerks, but it's like people just take aim at, well, they say that organized religions are the problem, which I guess they're referring to like the big three Abrahamics. It's more like they mean mainstream Western religion is what they're talking about. Mm -hmm. And even that isn't so much a problem until it's used or weaponized by a society or a government to impose a religious moral rule uh, for people to live by. And we've seen this with various religions in various governments that use like the tenets of these religions to oppress or worse their own people. That's the problem. When you talk about like religion being the problem, 
that's when it's the problem is when you're using it as a morality to rule and oppress, kill, harm, whatever other people, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's like people practicing folk magic or ancestral traditions are not generally the problem, you know, unless they're regarding control that I just mentioned, unless that's happening. But it's like telling others what to believe and why they should or shouldn't believe when no one asked you and it's not hurting you and it's not hurting anyone else. It just seems very not what an anarchist would do. It's like, and I get that a few have had like personal bad experiences with religion and that's fine. People are definitely allowed to talk about that and caution other people about it. But it's just, that's not what the discourse is. (laughs) It's people calling everyone that believes in any kind of a deity or anything, if they're animists, if they worship nature or whatever, you know, bundling everyone up just as your average Joe and saying, you're the problem. No gods, no masters. You are the problem is like, it's just not cool, you know? And yeah, it's just this thing that keeps coming up over and over because, you know, some people use and need religion and spiritual beliefs to just like get through life gives them comfort and solace and sometimes courage to carry on so if they're not harming others spreading harmful rhetoric or trying to rule using religious morality you know via government or state apparatus or whatever then i don't see a problem Mm -hmm. and i've been kind of i'm not necessarily neutral on this Mm -hmm. i've been reading both sides of what's being said Mm -hmm. and my take on it is like there is a reason behind the saying no gods no masters Mm -hmm. and it does have to do with control and the control of you know your own mind not thinking for yourself Mm -hmm. and when i say that i'm talking about like you know this idea of following the tradition and you know making that tradition more important than what is actually going on around you right but at the same time I'm also seeing the Native and Indigenous people who are on the left, who are being threatened for their non-Abrahamic beliefs. Right, exactly. And to me, that's where I'm like, we need to, you know, let's step back on that. Because we don't know what that is. We don't know how that works. That's not for us to decide. Right. We can decide about Christianity. We can decide about Islam. We can decide about Judaism, Mm -hmm. how to handle these things, because those are predominantly, maybe not so much Islam, but predominantly Western religions, Mm -hmm. because there are aspects to Islam that are not good, you know, such as the idea of being a slave to God. And and I understand that they're saying that it's not as in slave and work and everything, but you are still to humble yourself before Allah, you know? Right. The idea of being a slave isn't exactly good. Right. (laughs) It is part of a big part, not the part, not the major part, but a big part of a lot of the wars that are happening right now, especially, you know, what we're seeing in Gaza and the West Bank. In order to do anarchy we do have to get rid of god but at the same time like you're saying this isn't something that's going to happen right away as long as it's not hurting somebody physically or or mentally or emotionally Mm -hmm. then you know do as you will but in time like that is the main goal is to be like okay no more gods you know we're gonna work this down to where we're finally you know a god-free society it's one of those 
that it's not going to be tomorrow kind of things. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. But I totally respect and understand where people are coming from, especially because of my own beliefs and everything like that. Mm -hmm. But I also understand theoretically what it is actually supposed to be. Mm -hmm. I'm not trying to play both sides. That's not the deal. Right. The goal is, yes, in the end to be no gods, no masters, no kings. And in the meantime, go after the people that are using religion as a means to determine, you know, what's right, what's wrong for a populace who can legally get married, who can move between certain states or certain countries or something. It's like, that's the issue. Yeah. People who can and can't have, you know, abortions. Exactly. Exactly. Not me maybe saying a prayer before breakfast or thanking God that I opened my eyes or whatever people do. It's like, that is not the issue. Yeah. I just think people kind of get too much in an echo chamber online sometimes and just decide that, no, we need to go after this person who's literally just trying to connect with their own culture and not actually harming anyone. They're the problem. Yeah. And and you're not ever going to stop people from thinking what they're going to think. Right. That's not ever going to happen. But much the same way that we are with family members who are racist, ostracizing them, giving legitimate physical repercussions for mm-hmm. things that they are saying, mm-hmm. taking things away from them, etc. You can, if that's your choice and you want to do that, because say you have an aunt or an uncle or whatever, who is incredibly full of the religiosity Mm -hmm. and you have decided that you're not going to do that anymore. Okay. Don't Mm -hmm. go. When they call, don't answer the phone. When they text, don't answer the text. Mm -hmm. Give them a reason to either change themselves or, you know, you just being like, look, I'm not going to put up with that anymore because it offends me. Right. Your line of thinking doesn't do anything to fix the greater problems with the world. Right. That's my kind of thing on it. It's just weird how it's like cyclic. It keeps coming up. And it's like every time the same points are made, the same people are attacked and then are defended, rightfully so, the majority of them. And it's like, come on. (laughs) I don't see why particularly white anarchists like Mm -hmm. to try to stop native anarchists from doing their own thing. Especially when it comes to, one, their religious practices and two, their hunting practices, Mm -hmm. because that's not yours to talk about and or debate. Right. If that's where we are, if that's who we are as a group, then respect the fuck out of them and what it is that they're doing. And they also have their own internal divisions anyway, between Mm -hmm. people who don't want to go back to the old religion or whatever, and people who do. Let them deal with that internal division. That's not a place for us. And you know, when you mentioned the hunting thing, that just reminded me, it's pretty rich that a lot of the people that are like, getting on the case of indigenous anarchists doing cultural practice, the people that are being the bad guy, for lack of a better phrase, in that scenario, are the same people who a few months ago were saying that they were against forced veganism, which was never a thing. So it's just pretty interesting how, you know, months ago, they're like, you can't tell me what to do. I'll never do that. And then they just turn around and say, well, you can't do that. (laughs) 
to other people. Yeah. So that's pretty interesting. Yeah, no, it's definitely a flat circle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you want to do your sustainable swap real quick? Yeah, it's real simple this time. My sustainable swap this month is for people who still use uh, or like to use or want to use like physical planners, like calendars and, you know, like date planners. Because I personally try to use my phone for less and less these days. I'm trying to, it seems counterproductive though, when you say you want to be a little more ecologically minded. So you go back to using like a physical planner, but for my own like well-being, I'm trying to use my phone for less and less these days. Last year, I used a Field Notes brand undated planner and it had like a rigid cardboard cover and a metal spiral bind. It worked really well. It was like a little spiral bound notebook, basically, and it held up really great for I I use it for an entire year every day. When you're done with it, it breaks down in the trash and the spiral binding you can remove and recycle it. And I think this year I'm going to try using one with a cork cover and plant-based inks on recycled paper, and we'll see how that one holds up. But the Field Notes one held up really great. They run about 12 bucks. Uh, which is pretty standard for a little planner, but it's just always nice if you're someone that uses a planner just to look for a sustainable or a more kind version of what you usually get or always have. It's just a nice little practice to do. And so for anyone interested, I would highly recommend Field Notes Undated Planner. Okay, that's pretty cool. I, I can understand what you're saying about the whole counterintuitive between a phone Mm -hmm. and paper mm-hmm. because yeah no the the phone is definitely handy because you have it with you all the time but the phone is mm-hmm. definitely more labor and pollution intense than putting together a simple planner and what you said twelve dollars that's a really good price compared to you know everybody wants to get that slingshot from ak press or whatever and it's 25 bucks a pop mm-hmm. it's just one of those things where it's like I do better when I have something that I have to physically write in. It just works better for me to have a physical planner because it, it helps commit something to memory for me. Yeah. Versus just typing something that really doesn't do much. If I have to actually do the physical motion of writing and then it, the way it works in my brain, it's easier for me. So. Yep. Nope. I understand. Well, all right. So we'll do this one thing that I have real quick today, this month, whatever. (laughs) Like I said earlier, I kind of want to talk about this idea of route, route, whatever it is you want to use, plowing for interstate (laughs) freeways, interstate highways, and of course the EPA zones and all those things like that. There's a gentleman on Instagram goes by Lavert the Basement, mm-hmm. who talks about a lot of really interesting things, especially like on this day kind of things. And he goes into historical perspective and things like that. One of the things that he talked about recently was the placement of EPA Superfund sites, oil production facilities, plastic production facilities, things like that, and how they always tend to be in marginalized communities. Mm -hmm. You can see this a lot in the Gulf Coast from Houston all the way to New Orleans, where that coast they call the mouth of hell because that's where all of the oil production, gas production facilities for the country and some of the world are. And around those facilities are these marginalized communities. And typically they are EPA Superfund sites 
Some are what are called sacrifice zones, which I had never heard of. And the EPA works in, you know, hand in hand with FEMA and FEMA tends to place their camps in those, not the exclusion zones, but the, uh, oh, what the thing, I just said it. Sacrifice? Yeah, the sacrifice zones. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, a sacrifice zone is often defined as populated areas with high levels of pollution and environmental hazards links to nearby toxic or polluting industrial facilities. These areas are called sacrifice zones because the health and safety of people in these communities is being as- effectively sacrificed for the economic gains and prosperities of others. Yeesh. Yeah, no. And these places came into being because, of course... You know, there's no law written to stop that from happening for people who have, as one activist, Dr. Robert Bullard said, the wrong complexion for protection. Yep. That's a good slogan or saying. Yeah. And, you know, as I'm watching this particular bit from Lavert the Baseman, I started thinking about how interstate routes are planned for trains and for big rigs you know their routes on the interstate highways how they go in particular in phoenix the i-17 runs from flagstaff through this corner called the uh, durango curve and joins back up with the i-10 this used to be the only way to get to and from phoenix to the i-10 way back in the day was this I-17 corridor. Nowadays, because, you know, they finally connected the 10 from that spot where the 17 and the 10 joined all the way through downtown Phoenix to West Phoenix. They did that in the mid 80s to late 80s when that finally came to being a thing. But the I-10 itself, the way that it goes, if you look at a map or, you know, iMaps or Google Earth or whatever it is you want to look at, you'll see that it goes through Phoenix, down to Tucson, through Tucson to El Paso, and then it kind of hangs a left and heads down towards Houston. And so El Paso is one of these EPA areas where they don't care if, say, a truck spills because there are only, for all intents and purposes, people of color in El Paso. Same thing Mm -hmm. for Tucson. This I-17 corridor that turns and hooks back up with the 10 The southern part, once you hit that Durango curve and you start going lateral again, everything on the south side of the freeway is predominantly black and people of color neighborhoods. And this corridor is the hazardous waste corridor or the hazardous rigs corridor. So when they get to just before where the I-10 starts going downtown, the rigs carrying this hazardous material have to turn off and get onto I-17 to go south through this neighborhood that is predominantly and has predominantly been people of color to hook up with the I-10 again and then continue south to Tucson. And nobody really ever talks about it. But when you look out the window, you can definitely see how this road is the divide because on the north is downtown Phoenix with, you know, yeah, there's some of the, the buildings for holding things and, you know, stuff like that. But for the most part, it's beautiful, shiny downtown Phoenix. And on the south side is South Phoenix. And they absolutely, there was no care in the world. Yeah, no, that's that's where those convoys are going to go because fuck that area. And right. it's the same thing with the railroad tracks. The railroad has a hub just north 
of the I-17. And then the tracks continue through South Phoenix to go out to the middle of nowhere. These are places that have been, you know, sacrificed in order to make sure that the business of chemical and other material handling continues on and they don't care about the ramifications. They don't care about the fact that there's going to be, and there is, higher cancer rate in these areas, mm-hmm. higher asthma rate in these areas, higher difficulty with births, you name it. These are places that have that issue. And the I-10 is one of those main arteries. It starts going through Houston. It goes, you know, next into Louisiana. In, through all these places that are petrochemical plants, plastic production facilities, you name it, that's what's going on down there. And it's crazy to think about how intentional this was. This wasn't a, oh, oops, we didn't mean to do it. No, this was a very purposeful fact from the EPA and from the National Highway and Safety Administration to do this because that is lower property zones, basically. That is where the poor people live. And it doesn't matter what happens to them, especially when they're people of color. You can see the same thing in L.A., where the train eventually stops. Same thing with the 10. Mm -hmm. Once you start looking at it and realizing it, you start realizing how little respect and how little care the government actually has for people of color in any way, shape, or form. Right. It's just depressing as fuck because it's like, oh my God. There has never been a time in this country where people of color have ever gotten a fair shake. Ever. There's never been a time. And they're trying to say now that, no, everything is getting better. Well, you know, can we stop moving these chemicals through downtown Phoenix? Oh, no, no, no. We can't do that. Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't realize, like, a Superfund site is called a Superfund site because all the EPA does is just dump more money into it. Because there's no way in hell that it's ever going to be decontaminated because it will take so much money to do it that it just doesn't make sense to dump the money into it. They just say, hey, you know what? This is a super fun site. We're going to give a little bit of money to it every year because we have to keep it looking like we're trying to clean it up. So that way there isn't, you know, a break in the soil or anything like that. But in reality, this place is never going to be clean. There's never going to be any point in time until, you know, our going away on this planet that this site will ever be safe for anything or anybody. Right. You know, that makes me think this is different but similar nationally here, but also in the grand scheme of the world, where it's like even cities that are around our ports, right? The L.A. port is actually San Pedro and Long Beach is combined. It's two separate ports combined into the L.A. port or whatever. And coming from a port city and working in a port city and stuff like that, you do notice that a lot of the people that live right around the port, it is predominantly people of color, lower income housing and stuff like that. And I know that's not exactly the same as routing hazardous materials through these areas, but it's one of those things that's like, well, we're not too worried about 
this aspect of port pollution or this aspect of port operation or trade because it's like only the poor people are around there and you know they've been dealing with it for this long and you know it kind of made me think of that whole attitude and it also makes me think about how poorer countries you know like Malaysia and stuff are constantly being polluted by manufacturing practices that benefit us and it's like the people that live there are the ones that have to deal with contaminated water and you know soil that won't actually grow any crops just because we want certain dyed fabrics and the waste dye water from factories over there is like killing entire communities basically I know that's not what you're talking about, but that's just what came to mind as well. It totally falls into line with that because especially the port, if you were to look at asthma rates and cancer rates in those neighborhoods, Mm -hmm. they would be higher than, say, North or West Hollywood. Yeah. Especially off topic from that a little bit, like the 101, where the 101 runs through. I'm sure that there are higher asthma rates along that route, you know? Yeah. And it's just like, it's also one of those things where it's like, yeah, California has clean truck laws and like no idling zones and stuff like that. But all of that is relatively new. So these years and decades and decades of just having these diesel semis idling by the port, using the 710 to get down to the port and stuff like that. And there's right there by the freeway. And they've been breathing this in for God knows how long. It's like, yeah, we have all these nice new shiny laws to reduce pollution and work on the smog problem. But the people that are already having lung problems and cancer problems and issues with contaminated air, like noise contamination, they, they've been suffering. Another thing to think about, too, especially, again, in the case of the ports, railroad mm-hmm. depots, things like that especially around LAX, mm-hmm. the freaking airports, those areas, high pollution, blah, 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 blah. But for years and years and years and years, before all of those EPA, the EPA period, there were no rules as to the disposal of oil and other chemical byproducts right. after they've been used. And I know for a fact, <laughs> because I spoke to somebody who worked at a a Honeywell facility for a really long time because I worked at a Honeywell facility as an electrician, a contracted electrician, not with Honeywell. Again, that would be a place where I would probably still be. Uh, Right. Good good retirement package. Uh, (laughs) Just have to give up your your, your morals. Any semblance of ethics have to go, but you'll be set for retirement. Yeah. The airport and the Honeywell when they would basically do oil changes on the old engines and things like that, they would have Mm -hmm. all this oil. And, you know, especially in landlocked Phoenix, well, where do you put it? What do we do with this? We're not expecting somebody to come pick this up. So what now? Just kick it over, man. Put it into the ground. Put it back to where it came from. Yeah, that's what they did. They would just be like, ah, you know, it's one of those things like, oh, well, this is too much to get out. And the guy's already (laughs) left. You know, you dump that little bit in there. It's the same with airports. They didn't start out with the tarmac. They started out with ground. So what happened to any kind of oil that leaked out of the freaking the propeller blade engine, you know, and there's still cracks in the tarmac. You know, these things are not clean and this stuff leaks and seeps. So then any neighborhoods 
or any people living around these places, this is going into right. the water. This is going into the earth. How are we going to clean if and when the time ever comes? How do you clean that up? I know that we can plant certain mm-hmm. plants that will help leach that yeah. back out, but that's going to take a really long time. Right. Yeah. And totally makes LA and Phoenix and other big cities that have any kind of an airport or, or a train hub or anything like mm-hmm. that inhospitable, unlivable, unless you go far enough out. Yeah. No, the future's bright. <laughs> yeah. So bright. (laughs) One of the other things that Levert put in here was residents of St. John, Louisiana. So the contrast in power between petrochemical companies and locals is stark. Residents of St. John earn on average $17,000. So the residents themselves earn $17,000 a year on average. Yeah. While the chemical sector generates $80 billion dollars. For Louisiana every year. Who's going to get the handshake in the end? Right. It's not going to be the folks making 17000 No. Merry Christmas. Sorry, everybody. Right. Oh, there was the other really cool one. The Industrial Tax Exemption Program, or ITEP, a lucrative tax break aimed at luring big facilities to Louisiana. The program, one of the most generous of its kind in the nation, exempts major industrial facilities in Louisiana from most property taxes for up to a decade. Oh my God. And that is the property tax. And those are the large lots of property that would generate the most tax revenue. Yes. So you have acres and acres and acres and acres that doesn't have to pay shit for up to a decade, you said? Yeah. And meanwhile, this, in theory, the people that make 17 grand a year on their single little homes are having to pay, well, I don't know how much property taxes are there, but- they have to pay some. <laughs> yes. And the fact that it's a break for 10 years, they have to pay everything every year. Yeah, exactly. You know? Exactly. <laughs> Jeez. Talk about insult to injury, man. It's like, oh, you're already, that's impoverished. And yeah. Oy. And think about it. Most cities and most states do this to lure in big companies. Right. When Arizona was doing its changeover from mining to uh, data centers mm-hmm. and shit like that mm-hmm. and opening up to be because they're building that hub from Mexico, that road, the freeway that's going to go from Mexico, the Sunbelt Corridor. Yeah. From Mexico all the way to Canada. Mm-hmm. They gave big cuts to people who were going to build warehouse facilities mm-hmm. and said, you build a warehouse here automatically. This is an international zone. So you don't have to worry about paying any kind of state taxes. Damn. This is automatically an international zone. You build it here, you don't have to worry about anything. Dang. There are so many empty warehouses in the greater Phoenix area right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, no surprise. Sit there. Here's another last one real quick fact about that. The mouth of hell down there in, in the Gulf of Mexico. Mm-hmm. In 1976, as the Coast Guard divers tried to collect sediment samples from the Mississippi River, their hands were covered in second degree burns. From the chemicals that were inside the mud and shit. Jesus. Fun. <laughs> I'm sure the animals and plants are fine, though. But Yes, everything's cool. Don't worry about it. Nothing's being killed and nothing's being passed on to us. Oh, no, absolutely. No, no. Here's another one. In 1981, 30 grazing cows died overnight grazing near Geismer, a predominantly black town next to St. Gabriel. 
This caused people to start worrying about the pollution. Jesus Christ. At any rate, all of these things that we've been talking about, the routes planned for interstate roads, train routes, the mouth of hell in the Gulf of Mexico, this is all called environmental racism. Yep. And the concept started in the 1980s to refer to the socially uneven distribution of pollution and environmental resources along racial lines. The term environmental justice initially referred to the movement that arose to confront environmental racism, but has since expanded to encompass multiple forms of environmental inequities and problems. Environmental racism now refers to both a mobilizing framework and a field of scholarly research. You know, like we brought up earlier, that's why it's happening in all these places. Like this is not a one-off. This is not an oopsie. These things were planned to be like that because, well, fuck, who cares? Right. Like that one thing that that I brought up about the the 30 cows dying. Mm -hmm. It was the 30 cows dying that got everybody's attention. Not the fact that there were black folk living around there. Exactly. If those 30 cows wouldn't have died, hmm, no big loss, nothing would have mattered. Right. Because 30 cows died in one night. Oh, fuck. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, There's an issue. Yeah. It's been going on. It's been happening. And like I said, there's just people of color have never caught a break in this country. True. And you're never going to convince me we're in a post-racial society. because No way. No way. (laughs) We're not. Until people who are in FEMA camps aren't living around petrochemical plants because Mm -hmm. that area is considered a sacrifice zone. Yeah, no, I mean, these people just got fucked by a fucking environmental travesty. Mm -hmm. And now you're going to put them in another one because we don't got to worry about it. It's a sacrifice zone. We can put anything we want there. The kicker of it is it's like, yeah, we're going to sacrifice you in the name of trade and capitalism. Your health is going to suffer, but also you are responsible for paying for all of your medical issues that are related to what we're doing for you or Mm -hmm. what we're doing to you. Mm -hmm. Unless you sue and you get somewhere, which is rare, but Yeah, you get to deal with all of these increased rates of asthma. Now you need to pay for your inhalers. Now you need to pay for any kind of steroid treatment you're getting or whatever. And it's like, oh, you got cancer from what we put in your soil? Well, now you have to pay for cancer treatment. Oh, you can't? Well, bye. Yep. And the fact that, like you said, you can sue them, but then you got to make sure to see out the lawsuit. Yeah. And still only end up with a fraction of what you should have. Right. Like, right. It's the age old question. How much does one human life cost? Exactly. Fun. Yay. Merry yeah. Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> Not dystopian at all. We. Yay. <laughs> all right. Ted, I believe uh, you have something about Christmas now to share with everybody. I do. Bear with me one moment because I closed it. So basically, it's a really hard time of year for a lot of people generally. And I am going to talk about here because I just saw not too long ago an instance of this. But this is a trigger warning. I'm going to talk about death, pregnancy loss, and I'm going to make abortion references. So just so anyone knows. And this is more, I think this is more personal, like a personal deal with me Mm -hmm. regarding maybe being a little more sensitive to people that have experienced trauma, loss, and grief, especially this time of year, um, where it's just like a lot of sitting around and reflecting, you know? And I've just noticed recently a penchant for like what seems to be concern trolling. 
and attention seeking regarding pregnancy scares. And I say Mm -hmm. scares in quotes. And it's such a crappy thing to do. And it's kind of in line with people that make pregnancy announcements for April Fool's jokes, right? Oh, God. Okay. Yeah. Hideous. Fortunately, that seems to be on its way out. But, you know, I've seen a lot of kind of concern trolling where people are ambiguous about being pregnant, kind of, it seems like to get attention or, or farm engagement. And then you add to that, abortion jokes and it's kind of like extra insensitive. Now, I'm not here to tell people what to say because I do like a good abortion joke. Who doesn't? I'm human, right? <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's one of those things where it's like when you're edge posting, you need to kind of consider the gravity of what you're talking about sometimes. Talk about abortion, talk about miscarriage, talk about death, grief, absolutely normalize it. But when people do it in like a baity way, it feels like ingenuine, like disingenuous and mean. I don't know. I just, I want people when they're trying to be funny or whatever to exercise some consideration that when they talk about heavy topics, especially during a time of year that's traditionally celebrated with family and spent reflecting on things and people to maybe just think twice. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, do you have to make that joke? A lot of pregnancies end in miscarriage naturally. And even though there's still some like stigma around that and kind of a shame that people causes people not to want to talk about it. When people post kind of like gotcha posts about being pregnant and then making a bunch of abortion jokes right after it, it kind of it makes it hard. And I'm not quite sure what I'm really trying to say as far as like what a solution to this would be if if it's really a problem that needs to be solved. It's much more, to me, a topic that people just need to think a little bit more about before they start making jokes about it. Mm -hmm. Because as I've mentioned in various places, I personally have miscarried three pregnancies, and each one was a very much wanted baby. And I went through intense physical pain, thought I was going to die the first time. So that's what comes to mind when I see people making flippant bait jokes. Yeah. And it, it hits me hard personally, because like with any kind of death or loss, there's like this grief journey involved to do with that. And it just makes it harder. And so it's kind of like one of those things where I think that's why it hits me much more personally than it would like some of the people that are talking about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's, it's just one of those things that it's like, post what you want, talk about what you want, joke about what you want for sure. But it's like sometimes do you really need to make that joke? (laughs) You know what I mean? That's all I really wanted to say, because it's just a really rough time already for people this time of year. And just to have to read that by people that just think it's funny to say that they might be pregnant and then make a bunch of abortion jokes and then leave it. (laughs) Yeah. Is kind of like, hmm, I didn't really need to read that. So it's just something to consider. That's all I'm saying. For me, it's, right up there with the famous comeback for when you're getting burned or something the well your mama jokes Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and because I am who I am I always like because my mother is dead to say Mm -hmm. just that I'm like oh well my mom you know do you want to do that my mom's dead so that'd be pretty gross yeah (laughs) it turns into that whole automatic like automatically it's just like oh well you ruined it well yeah because this isn't funny to begin with can we not can we move on 
Yeah. Can we do anything other than this? Right. You can call me the R word. How's that? Go ahead. <laughs> I don't care. It's like one of those things where it definitely depends on the type of joke. Yeah. Because the topics themselves may not necessarily be bad, but it's like the joke itself. And it's like, do you really have to say that? Do you really have to do that? Like, and these are generally coming from the same types of people that would call other people out for body shaming and rightfully so. Mm -hmm. And then they make these weird insensitive jokes and it's like oh that sucks if you call them out on it they just double down and tell you to lighten up and they were just kidding and all that stuff and, and you know in the back of your head you're like well it's not really a joke to everyone you know yeah yeah we're not saying don't make jokes jokes right. are funny right love to laugh love to make jokes yeah. i love to make jokes on the topics we're even talking about yeah I, yeah <laughs> you most of you have seen but it's like it's just sometimes it's like just you don't have to do like concern trolling bait you can just make a joke you don't have to like concern troll and bait and then make light of it like it was just a bit the whole time you know well i was just joking yeah well <laughs> that doesn't work right right and then it's just like make your jokes or whatever but then if people have a problem with it just be receptive to their criticism and why they feel how they do instead of just getting defensive immediately and saying that people can't take a joke or they don't know a joke when they see one or whatever just listen to them yeah you know absolutely yep it'll make you a better comedian if you do i promise <laughs> yeah no, no. <laughs> so if you can work it a different way yeah hey there you go yeah that was just the point I wanted to make because it's just like layered on layered on layered, especially this time of year. Yeah. So that's it. We interrupt this program to bring you a special news bulletin. The Root Beer Wars Debate. Coming to you now, almost live, with your host, Ted, and the Reverend Dr. Boot Daddy. I don't know how to break this to anybody. It's a sad day for democracy. Sad day for all the root beer haters out there. Gabe wasn't able to make it. It is what it is. You know, Gabe, if you hear this, man, we love you. We're sorry that you couldn't make it. But we do have Possum. Do you want us to call you Possum, Opossum, Rustpunk? What are your preferable names and pronouns? Possum works great. All right, cool. So Possum... I want to show you something real quick, and I, and I want to get your reaction to this, okay? Because I think it was the coolest thing that ever coincidentally popped up in my timeline. It, I Like, I never would have predicted this ad would come up, other than the bra ad. God damn it, I fucking hate the bra ad. Um, but uh, let me share this real quick. I take the phone out. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> no, just look at the screen real quick, yeah. You see this here? Watch. Those are great. Those are the fake Rolexes. That are in A&W colors. What's your take on that? How do you feel? Absolutely. Just like, I'm not really a jewelry person. But 
but I would wear that shit. I'd wear it like four. <laughs> <laughs> the idea of like playing that is branded A and W, um, while it is undeniable that that is like fucking, it goes hard as shit. It does kind of initially contradict the idea that the root beer is the working people's drink, but when you think about it, it doesn't. My brain is blown. I'm trying to think about that now. I mean, you really got to think about it. You know? Yeah, no, it's, it's definitely a I've deep dive. I've given a lot of thought in the last 60 seconds that you showed me that picture, and that's the best I could come up with. I love it. Yeah, I can't. I mean, Ted, you know, what do you got on my 40, you know? On your what? Never mind. <laughs> it's like nobody's ever watched Friday. What the hell? Well, yeah, oh, definitely, okay. definitely watched it, but like, okay. it's just not one of those things that just automatically, I don't get the references automatically like I do other things. I've watched it one too many times. So like Debo is an absolute shithead, but that line, what do you got on my 40 homie is like always and forever stuck in my head. So. Okay. I have a question regarding root beer. Basically, root beer is kind of like renowned for its long-lasting foam, right? Like it has that little foamy head on it. And the question I have is, as foam decreases in the drink, does enjoyment of the drink also diminish? Is there a direct correlation between root beer foam and enjoyment of the drink? I think root beer has to probably be drank a little faster than uh, like other soft drinks. I feel like it, it does diminish quicker, but I feel like uh, it's not all dependent on the foam, though. I don't know. I'm drinking root beer right now, actually, so there's no foam on it. I'm towards the bottom of my glass. It's delicious. Okay. What makes you choose root beer over any other drink if you have the option? If you're in a root beer mood, do you just go to root beer as default, or do you have to be in a mood for it? And, like, why would you choose that over another drink? Well, I'll be honest. The most times I drink root beer anymore, I occasionally have it with a mixed drink, so that plays a role in it. I suggest for any listeners out there that it goes great with uh, Kraken Spice Brum and also uh, Vanilla Vodka is a good mixer with root beer. I'm drinking uh, root beer and Kraken Spice Rum. Nice. So like adult root beer. Nice. Yeah, big boy shit. <laughs> cool. I can definitely confirm about the uh, vanilla vodka. Me and my little brother, we've done that a couple times, and you can't deny it. That's actually, you know, the the taste for me, honestly. I've I've not tried Kraken though, but the vanilla vodka definitely. Yeah, I mean, I'll I'll dump anything in there, but I mean, like Before all of this went down, we did run some very scientific polls. We did get the minimum amount of answers that we needed for it to be a very scientific poll so how do you feel like inside not not necessarily you know like in your head but like inside when you find out that root beer is liked more than it's hated i'm not surprised in the least if anything i'm surprised that uh people and then, oh, that was the fun one. Yes. If you met a wizard who said you had to drink root beer or die, which would you choose? 
again, overwhelmingly root beer over death, which, I mean, I think that would be a standard. You know, I think most people would say, I mean, at least for us, it was 81% said that they would, you know, drink root beer before they die at the hands of a wizard. I mean, I've been there, and I, that wizard challenged me, and I stared him in his eyes. I could barely see them shatter under his foot. And, uh, I got to Sorry, I'm getting fired up now. Yeah, I was gonna say you kept moving away from the microphone, so a lot of that we didn't quite. I mean, hear. it's it's a hot topic, though. I can understand the passion. You know, I'm a, I'm a gesticulator by nature, so. <laughs> You know, I want you to take a guess at this one, okay? Again, the last poll that we had that was done scientifically, there was one other that wasn't as scientific, but this one was the last one uh, that was done scientifically, which is uh, what is your preferred root beer? And the choices were uh, Barks, Mug, A&W, and other. You know, which one do you think won? I know, I see. Um, I'm going to say Barks. That was second. That's it. In a close race, though. Was it A&W? I mean, I guess technically that was, it, it was third. <laughs> That's crazy. All I know is that I like all root beers, but the root beer I mainly drink is the Kroger Big K root beer. And it's like, they're usually later on sale. So. I can't usually afford the fancy, but um, that does surprise me. I thought Clark's is the most popular. <laughs> Yeah, no, no, no. Your choice of a uh, a store brand over a name brand was actually second, I would guess. Uh, other came in second place, but first place was actually A and W. Huh. So I mean, may maybe it's the hot dog and chili. It's fries. the watches, probably, right? It's gotta be. It's gotta well, be. Right. I mean, you got yeah. swag like that. You're not gonna not drink the drink. <laughs> But yeah, I, no, the point true. that I want to bring up, though, is does it have to do with regional availability? Because if you look at what drinks are available in, like, fast food joints, I think I see more Barks than any other brand out here. Mm, really? Okay. Yeah. Okay. I mean, A&W is definitely the biggest brand around here. I mean, you have the A&W restaurants, and I think it's... Yeah. I see it the most in, like, the store, uh, uh, like, restaurants and shit, but, uh, yeah, I don't know, I, maybe it is a regional thing, that's a good point. Yeah. We're slaves to the root beer, our corporate masters enable us to drink. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, no, no, I mean, I gotta admit, where I grew up at, it was A&W all over the place, so... I would never really notice because I don't drink soda, so I really wouldn't. But every time I go to like a, a fast food place or even like the places I've worked, I think that it's mostly, mostly been Barks. But it just could be like a contractual thing like Pepsi and Coke, you know, so. I, I would be interested in seeing like how the, the Pornhub wraps uh, map in the United States, but like for root beer, that would be, that's what we need to buy. Yes. 
Yes. If I had done more thorough research, perhaps I would have stumbled upon it. <laughs> oh, man. That would be really interesting. <laughs> so I just had another question pop into my head. Uh, another, you know, it's far-fetched. It's not pertaining to reality in any way. Unlike the wizard. <laughs> I mean, of course, everybody's seen a wizard at least once. Maybe because you haven't. I don't know. But, I, excuse you. If you haven't seen a wizard at least once, are you even alive? Right, exactly. I mean, I know this much. I have run away from a leprechaun before with two of my friends. <laughs> okay. It just so happened that one of my friends was breaking a fever at that time. Um, but there was a leprechaun chasing us in, in my car. Are you sure? Was it wasn't like, just an Irish like, person? I'm sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. No, I'm sorry. I was just going to ask if it was like a Lucky Charms kind of leprechaun or like a Warwick Davis kind of leprechaun. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Big difference. It was definitely... <laughs> Yeah, it was definitely the Warwick Davis. Oh, Knowing shit. the end, he's, he's seen all those leprechaun movies. That motherfucker's been yeah, space. You can't fuck with him. Right. Yeah, no. That's why I was driving like hell to get away from him. So, <laughs> well, I'm glad you're here to tell the story. He kept screaming. That's what I'm saying. We almost died in a ravine, but we made it. So, oh, I mean, man. that's all that matters. So, I mean, yes, you've either seen a leprechaun or a wizard at some point in your life, okay? <laughs> But my question specifically, though, with my internet connection being unstable again. Relatable. Very. Is if you were to go back in time to the old school Pizza Huts, you know, with the salad buffet and the uh, Pac-Man and or Donkey Kong game in the red corner. Pl red right? plastic glasses. Exactly. Would you be drinking root beer with that meal? And if so, what kind of pizza would it be? definitely be drinking root beer that's not even i don't have to think for a second um and it would probably be a i like their pizza or at least i did you're talking about pizza Hut, right yes yeah okay, I, I just don't think that i did imagine that <laughs> another thing to consider is like root beer in like popular culture I know for a fact that, you know, American icon and beloved animated beagle Snoopy is a huge fan of root beer. So. This, this is true. <laughs> right. I'm going to argue with Snoopy. Like, that's a real Army the Baddies moment. Right. When you're disagreeing with Snoopy, like, come on, dude. <laughs> for real. For real. <laughs> it's like, why do you hate Snoopy and by proxy every dog ever born? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, you don't like root beer? Why do you hate dogs, yo? <laughs> right? Exactly. Jeez. Would you fly in World War One with Snoopy to fight the uh, the Red Baron? Well, he has that trusty sop with camel, uh, so yes. What about you, Possum? Um, you know, I would probably be doing something different around that time. You wouldn't be taking like, it to the hunt. Snoopy would just come along because that would be fun. You know, that might work. I could see Snoopy as an anarchist. Yeah, yeah. Just fucking up. Fucking shit up. Yeah. Bottom Twitter, uh, fucking, uh, don't even get me started, man. I don't know how many changes this podcast, but I'm going to get it there. 
Do you have a little diatribe that you'd like to to give in regards to to root beer, or maybe a song and or a poem or something? We will also accept a soliloquy or a monologue. Yes, there you go. Maybe on the street, a tirade. Yes. You know what? Yeah, yeah, we can do that. Yeah. Well, shit. Um, I guess you know my main point. You know, there was a lot of things that I was going to bring up. I had to. But my main point is that root beer, I feel like, it really encapsulates nature and uh, it's like it comes capitalism. For instance, and this does not take on me, but I'm just going to read you the common ingredients in your average root beer. Probably even the burger brand root beer, as we can right now. Vanilla, winter. Cherry chocolate, licorice, sarsaparilla, burdock nutmeg, yeast, anise, cinnamon, dandelion, ginger, pepper, cloves. I mean, if that doesn't change of what nature orchestrates when she produces a bottle of root beer, I don't know what does. And then when you think about nature, of course, we all that capitalism is the number of sweets in each year. So, while we watch, and while we watch Chinese families here in our sites, while we watch these players, we have the thought that this is going to affect us, that we have to sleep, because I don't think the future is. And I feel it. We all saw that. Mark's not just like a fancy thunder that he's building on the farm, but he's going to get off. But you don't think that you can tell that you can tell that you can tell that you can tell appreciate the time that you've spent with us today possum and your love affair that you have with the people's drink root beer yes i mean i think you can all at this point after what i just said it's free that it is officially people's drink so it is is a real fun talking to y'all and I want to give a shout out to all my peeps on Twitter who fucking <laughs> supported me. Who I'm really here for today, most of all. You know who you are. Well, all right. Possum, thanks for hanging with us, man. And hopefully we can do this again with you and with Gabe. And actually, you know, have the debate. But, you know, hey, this works out as well. And we can't deny that you were ready to defend yourself 
against the onslaught. So. It's it's the right of our following the six. And you know, um, I love the Constitution, so you know about that. Like, <laughs> it means a lot to me when I say that. I don't just say that about anything. Fabulous. But yeah, I'm down to clown whenever you all. It's been fun. Cheers. Okay. Well, shall we move on to the strike corner? Yeah. All right. Moving on to the strike corner. There we go. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> so, again, it's short month, holiday coming up. Everybody's really super excited about that. And that's great. We're happy for you. We're happy that you're going to be with family and for those of you who are jewish you've celebrated your last night of hanukkah so yes. uh, yeah. I, I feel bad and i'm sorry but happy hanukkah yeah my hebrew is not any better yeah so, but yes happy hanukkah yeah happy hanukkah yes. congratulations for strike news we got a couple of things got some few little things going on a few little report backs on things so last month we talked about that ford strike from the mm-hmm. auto workers, the auto workers strike cut Ford sales by a hundred thousand vehicles and cost the company one point seven billion dollars in profit. Wow, that's a good strike. That's effective. Yeah. Yes. Additional labor costs from the four-year and eight-month agreement will total eight point eight billion by the end of the contract, translating to about nine hundred dollars per vehicle by twenty twenty-eight. The Dearborn, Michigan automaker reissued full-year earnings guidance that was withdrawn during the strike, but it trimmed its expectations. The company now expects to earn $10 billion to $10.5 billion before taxes in this year, 2023. That's down from $11 to $12 billion that it projected over the summer. Shares of Ford fell almost 3% to $10.29 in midday wow. training. So there you go. And that's down 25% in the last year. I was going to say, that seems like a low share price yeah. for them. Good on you guys, UAW. Mm-hmm. Get that shit. Let's see. What was the other one? Uh, no, not the UK. Ah, that one. Remember we talked about that paper mill last month in, in rural Maine? Yeah. That strikes finally ended there. Mm. As of uh, actually just before Thanksgiving. Really? Yeah. How long did that go? They walked off the job on the 14th of October. Okay. So wow. A little okay. over a month, almost two. A month and a half, give or two. Yeah. And this was at the Woodland Pulp in Baileyville, mm. which was one of the largest employers in far eastern Maine. It included members of the International Association of Machinists and Aerospace Workers, the Millwrights Union, and the Service Employees International Union. Wow. The uh, union representatives said the tentative agreement include wage increases so there you go that's good news yeah it is good job guys and then yeah the other one that i'm going to talk about is the one that's really fun because what's this hold on wait i'm sorry uh california scientists seek higher pay and three-day strike drawing thousands of picketers Mm -hmm. what's this one defiance for science the signs say Oh, cool. (laughs) Sacramento, California, more than 1,000 state scientists in California took to the picket line Thursday on day two of a three-day strike. This was 
uh, back on November 16th, calling for higher wages for work they say often goes unrecognized in a state that sets environmental policy trends on the national and global stage. Mm-hmm. The California Association of Professional Scientists, well, that's a hell of a union, uh, representing <laughs> about 5,200 scientists across more than 50 state departments, decided to strike after three years of stalled contract negotiations. Damn. Wow. The push for a better contract began when state scientists were furloughed during the COVID-19 pandemic. Quote, we're not here to settle for anything less than the fair pay and respect that we deserve. Takak said, who's the president of the California Association of Professional Scientists. Quote, we hope that the state can recognize the opportunity that we have in front of us. The scientists whose work includes creating earthquake warning systems, that seems important. Yes. Protecting wildlife and reducing air pollution. Also important. Yes. (laughs) Picketed outside of the California Environmental Protection Agency building in downtown Sacramento. Most wore green shirts representing their union and many held signs that read, Scientists Strike Back (laughs) and Defiance for Science. That's cute. Drivers, including firefighters, honked in support as they drove by. The union says state scientists are paid 40 to 60% less than professionals in comparable positions doing similar work. The state says it has been working to reach a fair deal with the scientists. The California Department of Human Resources recently filed a complaint of unfair labor practices against the union in an attempt to prevent the strike. The department said Wednesday it was disappointed by the walkout and that the state continues to bargain, quote, in good faith. You know, when you Hmm. have to say that you're bargaining in good faith, typically you're not bargaining in good faith. Exactly. Generally, it's the opposite. Yeah. The union sought mediation, then called for the strike before that process concluded. So it sounds to me, sounds to me like the proper steps have been taken. So, yeah. uh, sorry. Whoop. <laughs> yeah. Jan Perez, an environmental scientist with the California Natural Resources Agency, who has worked for the state for 25 years, said she chose her job in part because she believes the state has the greatest impact on preserving and protecting our environment. Perez says she's lucky to have worked for the state long enough to afford living in Sacramento. Quote, when I look back at what an entry-level scientist makes and what the rents are and mortgages in Sacramento, I honestly don't know how they're doing it. End quote. Yeah, seriously. Mm-hmm. Man. And like, scientists should not have to strike. No. Ever. Period. Yeah. They should not have to struggle. There should not be, like, I'm sorry, they might not be firefighters or the police. Fuck the police. But scientists tend to be more important than police, typically. Absolutely. 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 Especially ones that help with earthquake warnings. Yes. And pollution. Like we said before at the beginning, the police don't do anything anyway. They don't even solve crimes. So. Right. Right. Give their money to the scientists. Yes. These are people actually out in the field, not just behind desks, not just in front of beakers, but are legitimately like counting birds. Yeah. You know, I mean, fuck, pay them money. They deserve it. Yes, absolutely. All right. And the last big one for this month, just because it's funny and uh, we, we need a good laugh. Okay. 
Tesla sues Swedish agency as striking workers stop delivering license plates for its new vehicles. Oh, and fucking Elon has been having a hell of a month. With <laughs> <laughs> not just with Twitter, but what was it? 2 million, 22 million cars of some short got fucking yeah. recalled. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was every last car that got put out by the company, I believe. <laughs> yeah. And it's funny because people are like, well, technically, it's just a software update. It's like, yes, but. <laughs> <laughs> it's 20. Yeah. But if it wasn't a software update, it would have been physical bringbacks. So it still matters. <laughs> yes. And this is from the Detroit News from just seven hours ago on that recall real quick. Tesla's largest recall won't fix autopilot safety issues, experts say. <laughs> oh, God. You know, it's, it's funny because it's like all this effort and research has to go into reducing the capability of features that a car already has. Like, usually when you get a car, you pay for upgrades and it makes it better. But then you get a Tesla and it has these features or whatever that they have to keep releasing software patches for so your car doesn't fucking kill you. <laughs> you know, it's not heated seats. It's like mowing down pedestrians yes. or, you know, just like making you shoot out into an intersection at some point. <laughs> yeah. Or drives you right into another car because, yeah, that's what cars <laughs> are supposed to do. Yeah. No, it's absolutely amazing. Mm -hmm. Back to the Tesla and the license plates. Tesla on Monday filed a lawsuit against the Swedish state via Sweden's transport agency as striking postal workers in the Scandinavian country halted the delivery of license plates of new vehicles manufactured by the Texas-based automaker. Tesla is non-unionized globally, but the Swedish workers are demanding that mm. the car maker sign a collective bargaining agreement which most employees in Sweden have. Tesla has no manufacturing plant in Sweden, but has several service centers. Tesla said it was suing the Swedish state through the Swedish transport agency because not accessing the registration plates, quote, constitutes an unlawful discriminatory attack directed at Tesla. Mikael Andersson, a press spokesperson for the agency, told the Associated Press in an email that we at the Swedish Transport Agency do not share this view, that the agency was blocking the distribution of license plates. Therefore, Tesla has decided to have the issue tested in court, which is their right. If you are mm -hmm. saying that it's their right to do this, typically you have the upper hand, mm -hmm. in my experience. We have not yet seen the lawsuit, and it is therefore difficult for us to give any direct comments we need to look at the lawsuit and Tesla's reasoning in it, Anderson said. According to the lawsuit obtained by the Associated Press, Tesla demands that the district court find the agency one million kroner to, quote unquote, oblige the Swedish transport agency to allow Tesla to retrieve license plates within three days from notification of the district court's decision. The lawsuit was handed in on Monday. Tesla said that the agency has a constitutional obligation to provide license plates to vehicle owners. The fact that the license plates are withheld cannot be described in any other way than as a unique attack on a company operating in Sweden. The lawsuit argues that should the agency not fulfill its constitutional obligation, it obstructs the applicant's rights. 
the trade union ST, whose members worked for the postal and delivery service Post Nord, said that they were blocking the delivery of mail and packages to Tesla in accordance with the rules of the Swedish labor market. By going to court, Tesla shows that they do not accept the rules that prevail in Sweden. Yeah. Asa Erba Stenhammer of the <laughs> ST Trade Union said. That's a mighty Swedish name. On October 27th, 130 members of the powerful Metal Workers Union, IF Metal with two L's, walked out at seven workshops across the country where the popular electric cars are serviced, demanding a collective bargaining agreement. Swedish mechanics stopped servicing Tesla cars and several unions, including the postal workers, have joined in a wave of sympathy with IF Metal's demands. Dock workers at Sweden's four largest ports also stopped the delivery of Tesla vehicles to put more pressure on the automaker. Last week, Tesla's CEO, Elon Musk, wrote on X, of course, that's where he always goes to be a crybaby, the social media platform formerly known as Twitter, which he owns, that it was, quote-unquote, insane that Swedish postal workers were refusing to deliver license plates <laughs> for new vehicles. No, Elon, it's called solidarity. <laughs> Sorry. IF Metal earlier said that Tesla Sweden has refused to sign a collective agreement and violates basic principles in the Swedish labor market. It called such agreements the backbone of the Swedish model. The union also asked consumers for their understanding, saying, quote, we are doing this for the sake of our members to ensure that they have safe working conditions. In the lawsuit, Tesla demanded the district court ensure that Swedish transport agency delivered its license plates. That was November 27th. This is from just a few days ago, December 7th. Swedish court rules against Tesla in labor <laughs> dispute. Finnish union joins strike. So we've gone from Sweden to Finland. Just come on, Elon. Yeah. This isn't hard. Yeah. Finland would love you if only you'd sign a union agreement, Elon. <laughs> That's all you need to do. Uh. Fuck, man. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to show this to you real quick. And I'm, I'll, I'll put it on the, the Patreon and on the website. Here's the tweet <laughs> that they're talking about where he quote unquote said insane. Nicholas, this is insanity squared. Tesla strike. Killing blow for Tesla. The cars do not get new license plates. IF metal strike will stop new Tesla cars from being put into service. The reason is the sympathy measure that blocks Post Nord's handling of mail to Tesla. Elon uh, Musk responds, this is insane. Yes, yes. Oh, it's great. I love it. I love it when a good tyrant is getting fucked over. It is. It's so simple. It's for workers it really like is. human beings. So Tesla lost a chapter in a legal battle with Sweden's Postal Service on Thursday <laughs> as a fight with Nordic trade unions escalates with the <laughs> Finnish union joining a port blockade that will prevent the car maker from importing its vehicles to Sweden. <laughs> a Swedish court ruled Post Nord does not, for the time being, need to deliver license plates to Tesla that are being blocked by the Postal Service workers in the latest twist in a fight over collective bargaining agreements. Oh, man. That's great. Sorry, Tesla. Beautiful. Well, that's all I got for the straight corner this month. You got anything else, Ted? I do not. No. Oh, you know what? I've got one other thing that I want to say that I, I got to get this off my chest. 
just because I saw the name again the other night, and I don't think we talk about it enough. And it's just going to be a real quick thing. We're not even going to delve into it, okay? But real quick, just to make it clear, fuck Jake Paul. Fuck yes. Jake Paul, fuck Jake Paul, I agree. and fuck Good. Jake Paul. <laughs> That's all I got to okay. say. <laughs> just had to get that out there. We are a hate Jake Paul account. Yes. And hate Jake Absolutely. Paul. <laughs> Other than that, that's yeah. it then. That's all we got. Yep. Have a safe holiday, Ted, and enjoy whatever time you have with whoever uh, you want to have it with. And we'll see y'all on the other side next uh, yeah. year. Yeah, see you next year. Yes. Happy yeah. New Year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're getting out of school. <laughs> okay. Oh, Christ. Yeah. Yeah. Either way. Get really drunk, yeah. get stones, do whatever it is, trip balls, I don't care. Just be safe and come back on the other side of the New Year, yes. okay? <laughs> okay. Have a good day, Ted. Enjoy the rest of December. You too. <laughs> All right, bye. It was Christmas Eve, babe In the drunk tank An old man said to me Won't see another one And then I sang a song The rare old mountain dew I turned my face away And dreamed about you years from me and you So happy Christmas I love you baby I can see a better time When all our dreams come true Dreams from me when I first.
cut them with me bail I put them with my own Can't make it all alone I built my dreams around you Christmas Day